Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Everybody good? You guys look great. I've noticed this now. This is our second gathering that the people who look great and feel great are all in the first or second or third row. When I said that earlier, everybody in the, like past that, they're like, no, nah, I'm not great, bro. I'm not going to smile. I'm not going to act. But uh, I, I, you do look great. Whether you, li- whether you agree with me or not, you guys look great. And, and for all of you at home which, who we can't see, we know you look great, too, in your pajamas or wherever you're at. Give it up for them, everybody. Give it up for all those families. We love you guys. Thank you for being here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And we're starting a brand new series today. And at the start of a brand new series, it's always a fun thing to do um, because we get to explain what it's going to be about. And we tend to think in terms of series here at LifePoint. We, we have an idea, and we want to unpack it over three or four weeks. And so that's what we're doing today. And I'm so glad that you're here online, and you're here right here in the room uh, as we start this. We have a vision at LifePoint, and I want to just throw it on the screen um, this is what, from Exodus chapter 6 all the way through the Bible, you see that there's four things that God wants for his people. And it's the thing that we have, we have sort of identified in these ways. We, that we believe everybody needs to come to know God, to have a relationship with God, to, to know him as Father and Lord. That, that everybody needs to know how to find freedom from the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups and the shame and the pain and the mistakes of yesterday and, and if you haven't made any of those yet, just keep living. You will, right? You'll have some of that. And, you, and, and sometimes they can take root in our lives. And we want to help people figure that out. That's what we do with our, in life groups. We have a, a life group called Freedom Groups that are just amazing changes people's lives. We want people to discover their purpose, like what they're here on the earth for. What are they on the planet for? And the best way we know to do that's just a catalyst. It's not the be all end all is, is growth track. And so that's happening today right after this gathering uh, out in the lobby there. There's a room over there that we use. And then we want to help everybody make a difference, that everybody on this planet was put here on this planet to, to glorify God, to honor God, and to make a difference in this world. We believe that. And so we're going to kind of weave all of that in and out of this series um, uh, over the next few weeks. The, the series is called Chasing Shadows, as you just saw. I want to start uh, with a question. And uh, I, I want to ask you, have you ever wanted something so bad uh, in life, from life, um, like a car or a job or a house or a career, an achievement, an accomplishment, a, a girl, a guy, whatever, like a romantic interest. Um, you, you dreamed about it. You planned for it. Maybe you had to scheme a little bit. Come on, somebody for it. You had to, you had to make it happen. You worked hard. And, and then you finally get the thing and you're so excited. And for a little while, it's amazing. And then after a little while, you realize... This didn't do for me what I thought it was going to do. Like, you don't have to raise your hand, right? But meaning it, it didn't fulfill you in the way that you thought it would. And it didn't give you lasting, and the way I always describe it, as soul-level satisfaction, right? Um, so, so whatever it was that drove you to want that thing, that was pushing you to, for that achievement, for that accomplishment, it, it's still not satisfied. Whatever it was that made you like push past all of your excuses and all your tiredness and all, whatever, it's still not satisfied. And I think if you've lived a while, you've experienced this on some level. And, and if I can just be super transparent today, and, and, and if you've been part of our church, you probably say, dude, you're, 
you overshare, bro. You know, like, like but I'm going to just go again, okay? Um, I, I think for me, it's always been success and achievement. Something, and I know this now, I'm 50, I know this now, something in me, and it was no one's fault but my own, um, but something in me was malformed when I was younger, where I, I, I never quite felt like I was enough, like I was good enough, that I was smart enough. Um, so, so I always hoped uh, as I got older that if I worked hard enough, that if I accomplished enough, that people would begin to see me as the things I wanted them to see me as successful, smart, tough enough, successful enough. And, and then so what happened is much of my life, much of my adulthood, um, and, and I'm, by the way, I still wrestle with this. This is not, I have not won this battle, right? But much of my life has been spent with me trying to measure up. But over the last few years, as I've gotten some skills related to, to soul care and, and, and sort of self-awareness, if I can just say it that way, I, I, started to, I started to think, like, what am I trying to measure up to? Who am I trying to measure up to? What, what is this thing in me that drives me to do stuff? And, and, and so the question for me was, measure up to whom? Measure up to what? And, and when, when do I get to a place in life where I've, quote, arrived? Like, when, when does that happen? And the answer that I discovered just in the last two or three years, honestly, is I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know what. I don't know when. It was the, the way I've described it in past times, even up here, is that I, it was like a shadow had been cast over me. And, and like, like, like that it was driving me. And, and because of the nature of shadows, and you understand this, right? Sh- shadows move. Shadows shift as the light moves, as the light shifts. And because shadows disappear when the light gets turned off, I spent so much energy and so much time and so many emotions and so many sleepless nights tossing and turning, honestly, chasing shadows that constantly moved so that I never sensed I've measured up. I'm enough. I've accomplished whatever. That's what I mean by chasing shadows. Does that make sense? I, I'm, trying to underst- I'm, I'm trying to just kind of give you this concept that I feel like God gave me a while back. Mine was success and achievement and acknowledgement. Yours will probably be something else. Um, But here's the truth about you. Here's the truth about me. Here's the truth about everybody in this world. Everybody you know is that we all tend to chase shadows. And here's the truth that that we'll never actually catch. David Um, King David, the psalmist David, who wrote much of the Psalms, he says in Psalm, I think it's 144, he's he's talking about how God is his refuge and his shield and his strength and how great God is. And then he says something like, what is man that that you are mindful of him? Like he's thinking about himself. Well, like who am I that you are mindful of me? And then he describes the human condition. He says, we're we're just like breath, like a vapor. He, He says, in fact, our days... Our days are like fleeting shadows because that's the nature of shadows is that they are, they are fleeting. 
And I think this is part of what James, the little brother of Jesus, was talking about when he wrote in our key text. And we're going to come back to this text again and again. James 1, 17. Read, read this with me. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above. Listen, if you don't catch one other thing that I tell you today, every good and perfect gift comes from above. In fact, it's coming, how? It's coming down from the Father of the heavenly, what? Lights. Who? Who does not change like shifting shadows. I want to drill down there for a second. Um, this is, uh, honestly, this is a, an emotional talk for me to give. Um, just because of how long I've wrestled with this thing, okay? Um, I want to drill down on this text for a second. If, if I'm going to receive the, the, the very things that my soul, my heart long for so much, if I'm going to receive the, the deepest things that my soul actually needs, not what I think it needs, but what it actually needs, I'm going to have to start by looking up. I'm going to have to look up for the good and uh, the perfect gifts. Don't you love that they're not just, it's not just every gift. It's, it's the good and the perfect gift, right? Th- that I'm going to have to look up. If I'm going to receive that, I- I've been spending my life honestly looking around for the good and the perfect or even looking within, because that's what Disney movies tell us to do. Come on, right? And for, for what will satisfy my soul's longings, but what will, what will meet my deepest needs. And James says, they don't come from around, things around me. J- James says that the things and people and achievements and accomplishments and accolades, they don't come from within me. The good and perfect gifts only come from above and specifically he says they come down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Jesus says in John's gospel, in the, in the writings of John, he makes seven declarations about himself. He says, I am, and then he fills in the blank. And in one case he says, I am the light of the world. Meaning, the light that he casts, the shadow that he casts over our life is sure and it is stable and it is good and it is perfect and it is true and it is right. And that the lights that get shown in, in this world by things and people and celebrity and accomplishments and achievement, they, it, they do shine. There is a shine to them, but they change and they're fleeting. And this is why, unless you're Peter Pan, you can't catch the shadow. Can I get an amen from Peter Pan friends in the house, right? It moves as you move. The light moves as it or fades, but there is a light that comes down from the Father, from the heavenly light that does not change, that does not shift, that does not move like a shifting shadow. In other words, the good that I want in life, the things that I've been trying to get in my life, 
um, that I've been trying to achieve, but I couldn't seem to grasp that was so elusive. My heavenly father actually wants to just give me that. He wants to place that love and that goodness down on me. And the shadow he casts in my life is a shadow of love and grace and hope and goodness and perfection. And, and so what happens is, we all, all of us, you at home, all of us here, we all have um, longings. I, I told you what mine has been. I told you what's been my sort of central motivating factor in life, but it wasn't right, but it was a central motivating factor for me. It's universal. Human beings crave specific things. Doesn't matter your tradition, what your, what your socioeconomic status, what country you're from. We all, human beings, we crave specific things. And, and here's the th four things I think that, that all of us have in common. We all have, the, and there are questions that we try to answer throughout our lives. It's like my identity, who am I, right? Some of us don't slow down long enough to have these thoughts, but we should. Who am I? The second question I think all of humanity has is, what's my purpose? Am I significant? Do, does my, is my life going to matter? What am I here for, right? Um, security and safety, we, we want to know. Like, how am I going to be financially secure? And who's going to keep my, my house safe? And who's going to keep my people safe, right? Who's got my back, right? So I'm grateful, by the way. We have police officers and security team and safety team. They got your back, everybody. They got your back, all right? But, but, but acceptance and belonging, wh where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Everybody wants that right there. This, this right here, everybody wants that. We all want to know, and I don't know that these are in any order of importance, but I think universally these are, these are true of, of, the human, of, of the human condition. They're big picture uh, ideas that we're trying to figure out throughout our lifetime. And it's the answer, trying to find the answers to these questions that keeps us chasing shadows. Like, like the, thing, the thing in me that was driving me to succeed or accomplish was a shadow of these things. They were the, they, 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 these were the questions I was trying to answer by accomplishments that I never was going to be able to answer by accomplishments, trying to get fulfilled at a soul level that was never going to fulfill me at a soul level. So, so I just want to start with the first one, and this is what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. I want to start with identity because I think it is the one that we should always start with. So, so another question is just, how do you see yourself? Like, how do you to see you? How do you define you? And then what's the source of that? What's your source of identity? So what is identity? Identity is our personal understanding of, of who we are, right? How do you think of you? How do you understand you? What do you believe defines you? Now, here's the challenge for us, and I think maybe men more so than women, but I don't know that. I, I, what do I know about women? Come on, right? Right? Every time I think I know, I don't know. Come on. It's just safer, fellas, that we just say, I don't know. What do you want me to know, right? Come on. Praise God. Praise God. It's just, it's, y'all can go home now. That's all you needed to know through life, right? Yeah, I have no idea, right? That's exactly right, right? But, but here's what men often do. We tend to, 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 to describe ourselves by what we do. We define ourselves by what, I know, I know ladies do this as well. We're, not, we're talking about something deeper, though. We're talking about something more intrinsic than that, more valuable than that. So, so I want to just do this. Um, 
yesterday, actually, I drew this out. Can, can I get the, the, that thing? Yeah. And, but I don't draw very well, so I sent it to Hannah. Hannah, who was on the screen a minute ago, she's fancy, all right? I, I, pro- I know I wouldn't have dri- drawn my name that way because I couldn't draw my name that way. But, but, but th- just, just if you say, hey, Danny, tell us a little something about yourself, all right? Right, you didn't, but I'm just for example, okay? Right, you're like, yeah, stop. Thank you, thank you, right? So my name is Danny, but my name is actually not Danny. My name is Daniel, right? That's what my mother calls me still. She's probably the only one that gets away with that anymore, like Daniel. But my name is actually Daniel Troy. I don't know why Troy, but that's what's happened to me. <laughs> Some of you don't want to tell your middle name either. I know it. Some of you, your middle name is what you go by because your first name is even worse. Come on, can I get a witness? <laughs> you know it. My last name is Rivers. The, the reason there's a fourth here is because I'm the, I'm the baby, the fourth of four. So you're like, oh, you're the baby. That's why you are that way, right? <laughs> I was born here in Texas. Come on, come on, some Texans in the room. Any Texans in the room? I was born specifically here in San Antonio, right? This is hometown USA for me. Um, and as a result of me being born here, I'm a Longhorns fan. <laughs> I knew yesterday when they were up 16 to 10, I told Rachel, didn't I? You can't trust them. Turn it off. Turn it off. Did we turn it off? We turned it off. I walked away. Can't trust them. Went back and looked. See, I told you. See, they lost by. Can't trust them. Hey, don't be, hey Aggie fans, you lost to Appalachian State. Like half of them are nuns or whatever. I don't know. Sorry, if you're a nun, I didn't mean it. I'm not, I'm just saying you're not necessarily strong. It's all, I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan again. I didn't realize it was going to cause so much division today. Hey, these are my descriptors. Back off, man. I'm a Spurs fan again. Manu Ginobili, though, last night, everybody. Hall of Fame. Come on, yeah. I'm a Texas Rangers fan. If you don't know what that is, I I don't even know how to help you. They stink, though. They always have, for the most part. Uh, I'm an introvert, but I have to pretend like I'm not. Come on, that's what... My job is to tell you I'm not, all right? So I'm confused, all right? I'm a pastor, right? I'm shaking hands, apparently. That's my thing. Uh, If you you like the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 3. Uh, one thing you may not know is I like to cook. And if you said, what's the thing that you're the best at, in, like, like that you're the most skilled at, I would tell you for sure, I'm a cook. If, if you've been to my house and had me cook for you, maybe you've experienced the power of that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a husband uh, to Rachel. Uh, and, um, and, and we don't have this one, but I'm a dad to Noel and Naomi. Um, and these are the, I, I didn't put anything negative up here except for the, my sports teams, right? Because you don't usually go, hey, I'm also a slob, and I can't follow through with what I say, right? You don't put that up there, right? <laughs> the, the, the issue for me, though, is when the descriptors, these things, these descriptors define me. These, these are great descriptions of, like, what I'm about, what I like, but they are not, they shouldn't define me. And what happens is when we attach value to these kinds of labels and descriptions. We sort of define ourselves by these because we don't know how else to, to tell people who we are. But your true identity, as I hope we'll find out, is so much more than these things. I was reading a book with our staff uh, a couple months ago, maybe. Uh, it's, it's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. By the way, 
you should buy it. It's this big. It'll take you about literally 20 minutes maybe to read, probably a dollar, two dollars on Amazon. Pastor's, uh, the name is Tim Keller, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. He was citing an article that he had read in Vogue magazine about Madonna, um, the, 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 the musician, singer. It was years ago, and she said, she was talking about her career, and here's what she said. This was his quote. My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I, I feel I am still mediocre and, and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still feel I have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. Chasing shadows. That's exactly my story. Every time there's an accomplishment, it's like, <gasps> and then it's like, oh, but it fades. Unless I keep going, unless I keep, because we always think, what have you done for me lately, right? And so she's got this sense of her self-worth tied to what she is, what she does. And because it goes up and down, her, her self-worth her, goes up and down. Her identity is fickle. Man, man, this is not just true of her, but this is true of us. We don't often know ourselves the way God would have us. And so our, the result is that our life can be a blur of living, trying to please others and to perform for others. So who am I? Who am I? It's a question that people lose sleep over. Let me offer this disclaimer as we dive into this, and this is the truth. God formed you as a unique and original masterpiece, Ephesians 2 says. And because of that, your true identity, my true identity can only be found in him because you were made by God and you were made for God. Right? And God made you, and so you cannot separate God from your true identity. You are made to know God, to have a relationship with God, to live from, live outward from that relationship with God. And so when we try to find our identity in anything outside of Jesus, everybody, in our circumstances, our relationships, our emotions, our feelings, our achievements, our success, really anything. When we try to find our identity in anything outside of Jesus, the final outcome of that, that effort is an undelivered promise. It's a fleeting shadow. It's there for a minute, but when we grab hold of it, it's gone. So, so who are you, right? The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have, say this with me now, I have called you by name. You are mine. From the beginning of time, God has placed his love his, 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 his stamp of ownership on you. He calls you his child. He says, you are mine. And, and if we, if me, if you, and I have gone down this road and I forget, I know it sort of intellectually, but I forget it practically. Does that make sense? If, if, if for us to not live, in, to understand that, that, that we are the possession of God, it, it is for us to not live in the safety and the reality of that idea is for us to chase lesser things 
shadows that will not, cannot ever deliver on the promise of what we need from our identity, can never answer the questions, who am I and where do I belong and who has my back and and, and what am I here for? If we don't see ourselves first and foremost as a child of God, as a son, a daughter of God, we will see ourselves in distorted ways. And here's the problem with that. The longer we see ourselves through a distorted lens, the more likely we are to believe a distorted truth about ourselves. Listen, 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 listen. This right here, guys, I'm telling you, so many people are so confused and conflicted and pain because they're looking at their lives through a distorted lens and they don't see themselves as child of God, the possession of God, and we believe distorted truths about ourselves when we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. If our authentic identity doesn't come from the truth that we are the children of God, fully loved, accepted by him, fully accepted by him, if all of life doesn't spring up from that well, we will believe the enemy's lies about ourselves, if we don't first start by looking up and opening our hands to receive the good and perfect gifts that come from above, from the Father of life, we'll chase shadows our entire lives. We are God's possession. And this is perhaps my favorite element of this identity uh, understanding that I have. Knowing I am the possession of God doesn't make me like feel like less than a man. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, it comforts me. It encourages me. It fuels my ideas. It fuels my creative creativity. It has me dreaming big dreams for this congregation, this church, what we could do in this world, right? Because of uh, the faith that I have in God. And regardless of all the outcomes, God God possesses me. He's not looking down on me when I don't get it perfect. Like when he says, hey, Danny, I want to give you a dream and I don't nail it perfectly. He doesn't change. His posture of love doesn't change towards me. His gifts for me are good and perfect. But if we miss this truth, I belong to almighty God. We will go through life distracted, confused. So how do I find my identity? Three words, three phrases rather. We first look up, right? Because every good and perfect gift comes where? From above, right? We look within, right? But not in, like go out in the woods so I can find myself. That's not what I mean. We look within to discover God's design. By the way, that's what we do with Growth Track. That's why we do Growth Track, so that people can discover their design. And then we look out to discover God, what it is. What is it that you have for me to do? Who are the people in this world that I'm supposed to impact with the love of God just like you've impacted my my life? We look up, we start there, we look within. God, what is your design? What do you have for me? What are my gifts? What are my, my abilities? What are my talents? How have you made me, right? And, and that forms, that informs what we're supposed to do with our lives. So we look up, we look within, we look out. And it has to be in that order, everybody, because when we get that out of order, everything gets disordered. Like, like here's a bad example, but like I'm wearing this coat today and, and, and listen to how you button something. Well, I almost fell over. How you, not because I'm dizzy, just because I thought that was closer to me than it was. How you button something, uh, it, it, it matters, right? Like if this is my top button and I start in the wrong, there it is, place, right? Quickly, things get out of order. Come on, some of your OCD is already starting to kick off. You're like, well, you can't do that, bro. It's going to jack up my brain cells. What's happening right now? It's getting worse, man. Stop, right? It's ridiculous, man. 
I do look like, I look like a model. Thanks. Get the students on the front row today. Like if I stay like this, man, it's obviously, unless it's a fashion statement that I'm not aware of yet. And it could be, it could be, I don't know, right? right. But like, like the, order, the order matters. Now, this is just a shirt, right? This is just an example. But order matters. Now, now, we see this when it comes to identity. If we don't start by looking up and we look around or we look within, things get disordered. Like, like in our country right now, there's all this talk about human identity. There's all this confusion and chaos and anger and infighting about human identity. And I'm not going to dig down here deeply right today, but we've all kind of boiled identity in our country to sexuality, to human sexuality. Think about it. This is what we've done. We're so intent on defining people in terms of, of sexuality that we've made sexuality a kind of an idol in our, in our culture. Like it's not like this in other cultures that, that somehow our sexu- sexuality is what defines us. But can we be honest? Come on, married people, talk to me just for a minute. Sex and sexual things are really just a tiny part of the human experience. Some of you are like, well, I think about it a lot, but I don't, I'm just gonna stop there, right? I'm just gonna stop there. <laughs> like, like, it's, like it's important, but it's not, it's not meant to be elevated to God-like status, but our spiritual enemy it has distorted sexuality, which is a gift from our creator God to be part of our experience, but was never meant to, to be elevated to a God-like status. It's become the single biggest identity marker in one way or another, and it was never meant to do that, right? For however you think and whatever you think about that, it was never meant to be the top thing in our, in our life, but, but, but that's what happens when we get it out of order right? When we don't first look up to God to define us, when, when instead we look around or we look within, life gets distorted. If we don't look up to Jesus first to settle our identity, we'll look in at our feelings. But our feelings, while they're valuable, they're very valuable, everybody, but, but they're not the, the, the thing that we trust the most in life, right? Right? We, 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 when, we look, when we look inside to our feelings, that can lead us kind of anywhere. If we look around us for, for identity, we're going to allow people, culture, uh, 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 people's opinions to shape our identity. We'll, we'll be comparing ourselves throughout our lives, trying to, to fill a void. I've, I've lived this, everybody, it, and it's a defeating place. But when we look up to Jesus as the source of our identity, as the primary foundation, the, the, the shadow that, the, the, of the light that gets cast on us, it doesn't change. It doesn't shift. And too many of us are, are, and I've fallen into this trap myself, are looking in or we're looking around for others and we end up chasing shadows. So there's this guy named Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, which is that second half of the Bible, if you're not familiar. There's a letter he wrote to a town in Colossae, uh, Colossae called the, the, the Letter to the Colossians. And he's writing just exactly about what I'm talking about, the, the identity, the, the, the self. He says, so this is chapter three, verse one. Since then, you have been, say this with me, you have been raised with Christ. Remember that phrase. Set your, what? Set your hearts on things where? Notice this. Listen to all the look up language. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your, your mind, so your hearts and your minds on things where? Above, not on earthly things, not on things around. Right? Set your mind, set your heart on things above. And, and he says, for you died, you died. Meaning, you meaning 
the old way of life, your old self, right? The false self that was not shaped, that was not formed by, by what Jesus did on the cross. He says, that person died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Look at all the look up language. He says, D- like, like, don't look to your hearts. Set your hearts, your, your emotions, your feelings, set them on things above. Your mind, your thoughts about how you look up about yourself, how you think about yourself, right? Set that also uh, above. And, and, and then again, when we don't start by looking up, if we don't start by looking up and we start to look around on earthly things, he said, we, we get distorted, we get confused quickly. And the question is, but why do we do this? What is it about us? What is it about me that as a pastor, as a leader, I have in my life, instead of going, God, I'm your son, I'm your, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm your beloved son in whom you're pleased, and I'm, all of my life is going to flow from that. Why is it that we look around? Why is it that we look to stuff, to, to accomplishments, to other people, to culture to define us? And the simple answer is, is because of our sinful nature because of my sinful nature. It's because of your sinful nature. And if I can just speak truth to you and to me, the Bible declares that we are born sinners and we are shapen by our own iniquity, right? That, that by nature, that by nature we, we rebel against God and all of his good and perfect things he wants to give us, that our desires get all out of whack because of our sinful nature. And because of our sin, this is what the Bible says, because of our sin, our eternal trajectory apart from God is actually towards hell, Distance from God. Like, that's the truth. And I know that's heavy. And you're like, bro, let's go back to Cowboys talk. We'll talk about that later tonight and see after we see what happens. Come on, somebody. But we have to realize that sin is the great destroyer of all the truly good things that God has, all the good and perfect gifts that God has for us. Sin wants to destroy. Sin is the destroyer of the, of the sense of the nearness and the presence of God. And then sin, as, as sin ruins and distorts and confuses, it messes up our identity on top of everything else. Nothing is as it should be when sin is allowed to be present Go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis and look at that first story of Adam and Eve. You'll see this play out exactly as I just described. And what happens is we, we, stop, we stop having the capacity to see what's going on. And so the psalmist David says in Psalm 36 and 2, he's talking about people who just stop, start missing it. He says that, that in their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or to hate their own sin. Like, and this is what I mean right here. You cannot, I cannot deal with a personal sin or a personal defect in my life if that, that I first don't detect. I can't deal with a defect that I don't detect. I can't bring to God what is going on inside my heart if I first don't understand it. So what happens is insecurity goes unnoticed and apathy goes unnoticed and addiction and anger and pride and selfishness flies under the radar or we don't miss it. We just come to accept them as part of who we are. When God says, no, no, that's not who you are. You are my dearly loved child. I want to I help you go through life better. But, but, but what happens is we will look through a distorted lens the longer sin is allowed to be in our, in our lives. And so Paul starts listing some of the actual sins here. When we don't look up to Jesus for identity, this is what will start to happen. He says, put to death, like get, get it out. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, right? Your, 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 
your natural proclivities, right, which is in all of us. So things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. But now here's the good news. You, what? You used to walk in these ways. In your old way, before you came and said, I'm a child of God, God, I love you and, and I want you in my life. He says, in the life you once lived, now look at this, but now you must also, so you used to be like that, but now you got to work on some other things. You got to rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you have put off your what? Your old self, that old identity with its practices and, and you have put it you have put on the new self, uh, which is being what? Renewed. Meaning, like, you're like, well, I still struggle with all this stuff, Danny. Yeah, yeah. It's because you're being renewed, right? But you got you to gotta work with God to be renewed. It, but you're being renewed in the knowledge and, and in the what? The image of its creator. The new self is being renewed and is being made new in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Who is the creator of the new self, right? Jesus is. Right? We're being made into that. So he says, you've taken off the old practices. Why is it good to take off? The, why do I rid myself of anger and malice and greed and all these things? He said, why? Because it's destroying the nearness of God in my life. It's destroying my identity. It's destroying the good things that God wants to sit down. So he, he, here's the thing is you and I, here's what, here's what we do. We, we, we seek identity in, in the approval of people. That whether that's family, friends, work, social media, or church, we seek identity and power and status and, and things like sexuality. We seek identity in, in image and in wealth in our political camp that we, we, we like. We, we sometimes find our identity in our past struggles and our own failures. We find our identity in our skills and in our wins and in our successes. But no matter what the things are that we find our identity in, they will all eventually break down under the weight of your identity because they are mere shadows. They're shadows of the real thing. They move and they shift and they disappear because they cannot handle being where you find your identity. But Jesus, in his grace and in his love, has come to rescue us from all of what we just read right there. Maybe you're drowning right now in sin. Maybe you're drowning right now and you're confused about life and you're confused and you feel empty and you feel a void in your life. And you're like, who and how and when? Just like I've been in my life. Who's gonna do this for me? Here's the truth about Jesus. He, is, he stepped down into creation and he lived, the Bible says, a perfect, sinless life. He did not deserve the death that was given to him. In fact, because of our sins, we deserved the death that he took. But Jesus, out of his great love, chose to die in our place on the cross so that we might live. His love drove him to die in our place to pay for our sins so that now if we simply put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, we get a new life. We get a new identity. We are no longer defined by their old self, by our sins any longer. In fact, Paul says in another place, 2 Corinthians 5, he says that God made him who knew no sin to, become, uh, to, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That God took the righteousness of Jesus and put it on us. And God took the sin that was part of my life and put it on Jesus. And because of Jesus, I have the opportunity at a brand new identity, child of God 
God. And that's why when Colossians, when Paul says that we have been raised with Christ, that literally means we've been co-resurrected with Jesus so that when Jesus died, but then he raised back from the dead, my, my identity was forever secured in him. The gospel has secured your future and mine. And this is good news. And it gets better because it's a gift from our father. My identity doesn't have to be earned, but in this world, by looking around or by looking within, I'm going to have to earn it day after day after day after day. It's going to go up some days and I'm going to feel better than I actually am. It's going to go down some days and I'm going to feel worse than I actually am. But the gift that comes from above is good and perfect and it never changes. It doesn't shift. Identity the way this world has has to be earned. Why would we look around for something that is good and perfect and has, given, has been given to us from above? Why would I wrestle and struggle and fight and, and, and try to, to, to strive to become something that God has already made me? So Paul says in, in verse 12, I, I, I don't have time to get all this in. He says, therefore, in light of that truth, that reality, he starts to tell us who we are. As God, say this with me, as God's chosen people. This is your identity. Holy. And what? Dearly loved. Stop. That's who you are. I don't know who I am. Yes, you do. You just haven't, you haven't, you haven't taken hold of the truth yet. God says you are mine because I chose you. I made you holy and you are dearly loved. And once I have that look up thing, once I've, I've, I've obtained what God has already given me and I've, I've, I've come to live in the reality of the good news of the gospel, then what do I do next? I look within and I start to say, God, what have you caused me to do? What is your purpose for my life? And then I step out into it. I start to look around. I look around. And when I look around, here's what he says. So you clothe yourself with what? Compassion. Could our world use that, everybody? Kindness. Humility. Come on, humility. Gentleness and patience. Because of who I am, child of God, I can step out into the world and make a difference. Now, I want to go back to the cloud I showed you earlier, that word cloud. Here's the truth about me. I'm Danny, the child of God. And do you know what? Out of this, this reality that this is my identity, child of God. That's my name, but this is my reality. Out of that, right? By the grace of God, I'm a husband to that woman right over there. Only by the grace of God. Come on, look at me and look at her. I know, I know. I understand. I, I, but because, of, I'm, because I'm a child of God and he gives me good and perfect gifts, I get to be the dad to Noel and Naomi. Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God was I born in this state instead of Indiana where all my family's from. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry if you're from Indiana, but I'd rather be here. I'm sorry. I hate that for you. You see what I'm saying? The reality is, child of God, the light that shines on me, the grace that shines on me, gives me the opportunity to be a dad and a husband, gives me the opportunity to be a pastor here at LifePoint, one of them. There's several, but there's, I'm one of them. Only by the grace of God. But all of that flows out of this reality. All of that, all of the good, 
all of the perfect flows from Danny, child of God, chosen by God. I didn't choose him, he chose me. Holy, not because of works of righteousness that I've done because I can't do enough. And, and listen, and dearly loved. All because he first loved me. What do you do when there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be? Who can close the gap between the me that I am and the me I know God wants for me? Listen to me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can take all the des- disparate pieces, the broken pieces of our lives and make us whole. Only Jesus. Why look anywhere else but up? Why spend any more energy looking around, looking in? Start Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. I pray for hurting people, for broken people, for confused people. I pray for people who, who right now, like I have, are going, when is it going to be enough? When will I feel seen or heard or known? And the truth is, they are seen and heard and known by Creator God who saw them before the world was formed, who chose them, and who calls them His own. I pray for every hurting heart and every broken person that they would just come to You, Jesus, and give their hearts and give their lives give their brokenness and their hurts and their confusion and their worries. Give it all to you, Jesus, I pray. May we be renewed. May we be ever renewed into the image, into the knowledge of our Creator. May we become more and more like you. May we be clothed passion and in kindness and in humility and in gentleness I pray in Jesus name Amen Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.